praise the Lord. We're glad to be in the house of God tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being with us. We do have several that are out sick. Those that are in-house, you can look around. You can see there's a lot out tonight. And uh, those that are on live, live feed, thank you for joining with us tonight in the house of God. Our kids' class just went next door. Uh, I think this is probably the first time in a while that they've been more kids than there was in the sanctuary. And that's an awesome thing. Amen. Amen. Our kids class next door, teens and young adults upstairs, us in the in the sanctuary and those that joined us on live feed, thank you so much for being with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to touch and minister in our services tonight. If you've joined us in house, if you have a prayer request, let me know by lifting your hand. If you're on our live feed, if you have a prayer request, text the keyword prayer to 205-642-8744. We have several that are sick. We've had some that's had a procedure done today. Uh, not able to be here tonight due to that. Uh, others, lots of things going on, so I want to continue to be praying for each one. Let's all stand, those that can. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to minister tonight in our time of Bible study. Dear, kind, and gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you today again, thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity you've allowed us to come to worship and praise you. Father, tonight I pray that you'll move and minister in a mighty way in our time of Bible study tonight. I pray, Father God, that you'll touch our kids' class, our teens, our young adults, those that's here in the sanctuary for our time of Bible study, and those that have joined us on live feed. Father, I pray you'll move and minister in a mighty way. We forever give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise and let's worship tonight in song. Amen. So happy to see everybody here tonight. And... Uh... We're going to sing first songs on the wings of a dove. But I'm going to tell you a little, little thing. I serve a big God, I'm going to tell you. And uh, I'll tell you, he really showed out Monday. Celeste and I were on the way home in my car. And it's a, not a big car, a small one. And a man hit us from behind, running 100 miles an hour. And we didn't have a scratch. Mm. We got out of there. Celeste got out. And first thing she did was, are you okay, Dad? Yeah. I said, I'm fine. He was looking after us. Let us sing now and praise our God. On the wings of a snow-white dove, he sends his pure, sweet love. A sign from above On the wings of a dove When troubles surround us When evils come The body grows weak The spirit grows numb He doesn't forget us. He sends down his love on the wings of a dove. On the wings of a snow-white dove, he sends his pure, sweet love, a sign from above on the wings of a dove when Noah had drifted on the flood many days he searched for land in various ways troubles he sends his pure sweet love a sign from above on the wings of a dove when Jesus went down to 
till the waters that day he was baptized in the usual way when it was done god blessed his son he sent him his love on the way on the wings of a snow white dove he sends his pure sweet love a sign from above on the wings of a dove page 305 old rugged cross
Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. You may be seated this afternoon. Amen. Last Wednesday, we was some was here, some was not able to be here. We uh, had a nice rainstorm. It got it got bad, so some was not able to get out. But we we still had our live stream. I hope you was able to join part of that. Uh, picking up from that. We've been talking over the last couple of Wednesday nights. The topic of this has been praying effectively, praying effectively. Uh, many times people know how to do certain things. They know how to they know how to clean, they know how to cook, know how to sew, things like that. And it's a matter of are they doing it effectively or not. Knowing how to do something but doing it effectively is two different things, right? And we can know how to do something, but to know how to do something effectively, that is what makes, makes all of the difference. We've talked about, and we brought it a little bit out this past Sunday, how that God and man was created to have a relationship together. God and man was created to have a relationship together. Amen? That's the way God intended for mankind to exist, to uh Everything was supposed to be that God and man was going to be having a relationship together. To that end, last Wednesday, we looked at God, man, and prayer. God, man, and prayer. Man's relationship with God depends on prayer. Our relationship with God depends on prayer. God's relationship with us does not depend on prayer. Make sure you understand that. Our relationship with God depends on prayer. God God has created mankind to worship Him, and if we don't do that, the Bible says the rocks are going to cry out. So, in essence, I don't want anybody to think this the wrong way or ugly or anything like that. God don't need us. If we don't do what we've been designed to do, God will move us out of the way and put somebody else in the place that's going to do it. And if nobody is going to do it, there's a rock going to cry out. I don't want a rock crying out in my place. Amen? I want to worship God. I want to, I want to live for God. I want to praise God. Why? Because I want to do what God has designed me to do. Now, everything else falls in to those things. What we've got to realize and understand in the very... Primarily, we were created to worship God. Yes, there are some that's been created to worship God in playing the piano. Some have been created to worship God in singing, not me. God's created some to worship Him in, in all these other aspects. Some have been created to worship God in cleaning the building. 
We've all been created to worship God. And that's the thing that we've got to understand. If if we don't do what we've been created to do, God will put somebody in the place to do that. Man's relationship with God depends on prayer. And this means keeping the lines of communication open and unobstructed. What we've got to realize and understand is for man and wife to be to get to man and husband and wife to live together, for husband and wife to have that relationship, there's got to be those lines of communication. Sometimes it's it's it may be just simple words. Sometimes it's carrying on conversations about other things. But what we've got to realize and understand is there's got to be lines of communication. If I walked into the house and and I said, Sister Carrie, fix me supper, and I don't. And she says, well, what do you want? It doesn't matter, whatever, it don't matter. If It don't matter to me, whatever it is. And then I go to the kitchen table, and she's got peanut butter and jelly sandwiches there. And I get mad because it's not steak and taters. Whose fault is that? Mine. Why? Because she said, what do you want? Now, y'all all know that I don't walk in that house and say, fix me supper. Everybody in this house knows that, right? Thank you. How, thank you. Thank you. No, we all know that. I and, and we also all know that I'll eat anything that's put in front of me that don't eat me first. But what we've got to realize and understand, I'm using that as just a very crude example because what we've got to realize is in order for that relationship to be there, has got to be communication. Oftentimes, conflict, hurt feelings, those things happen as a result of lack of communication. So prayer is our communication channel to God. Prayer is our communication channel to God. Through faith and, disobe- uh, faith and obedience, looking through the scriptures through faith and obedience, prayer, power, was Abraham's intercession to God, and that was a powerful force. Jacob wrestled with God and said, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me, and God blessed him. That was through prayer. Israel was spared when Moses prayed. Hannah, in prayer, asked for a son, and God gave her a son. David was a king, but he was also a man of prayer. A Gentile woman said to Jesus, Lord, help me. He spoke the word and healed her daughter that very hour. Could you just imagine going up to Jesus? He's walking down the street one day, and you walk up to Jesus and you say, Lord, help me. And he, and he says, your faith has made your daughter whole. And you go home and you find that your child that once was in the bed sick with ailments is sitting up on the side of the bed watching TV or whatever the case may be. Why? Because of your faith, your prayer to God. Well, it's the same thing now. Just because Jesus is not walking down the street does not mean that that can't happen. I'm going to tell you something. We could all go to God in prayer and our child be healed. We could all go to God in prayer and our spouse be saved, our child be saved. Why? Because of our prayer life. It's got to be a strong prayer life. The thing is, is if if I, I'm going to use this because everybody in here is going to laugh about this in just a second. If I was to walk into a gym, that's the comedy part right there. If I was to walk into a gym and I go over to the, if I go over to the one of the places, and, and I'm going to bench press something, and there and there's there's 300 pounds on that. That's comedy, right? I'm not doing that. Everybody in here agrees I'm not doing that, right? Why? Because you know when the last time I was in the gym, 1997, when I graduated high school. What we've got to understand and realize is we've got to have that time of prayer. I know I'm still a baby. What we've got to understand and we've got to realize is we've got to have that time of prayer to strengthen. I can't walk into a gym right now and and bench press that much weight. Why? Because I I ain't been doing that. I've not been practicing that. I've not been working out to that. I've not been doing anything about that. Why? Why? That's not my that's not my cup of tea. Ann's new life had a had a 5K run this last year. I didn't run it. I can promise you that. Why? I am not working myself up to run a 5K. 
Had several. I was sitting on the golf cart. I was riding around the course on a golf cart, making sure everybody's okay. You need some water? I'm not. I'm not doing that. Why? I'm not working out like that. I'm not doing that. I'm not focusing on those things. But what we've got to realize and understand is, if we want to have a strong prayer life, we need to exercise that prayer life. Amen. We've got to have. If we want a strong prayer life, we've got to exercise that. To that end, God taught us how to pray. God taught us how to pray. Jeremiah 33 and 3 tells us, call on me. God says, call on me and I'll answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you knew that you have not known. When we call on God, God's going to reveal things in our life. God's going to make things opened up into our lives that we just, it just would blow our minds to know those things has happened and those things are taking place. When we have that prayer life, God will open things up to us. God has exhorted you and I to have a prayer life. We need to be willing and eager to have a prayer life And in doing so, God is eager and willing to answer that prayer life. Brother Emery taught school, taught math, about three years ago, right? Something like that, plus. (laughs) If he had a student sitting in that classroom that was not willing and not eager to attempt to learn math. Two plus two is four. If two plus two is four way back two years ago, two plus two is four today, I don't care what common core math that they've got going on, two plus two is still four, okay? What we somebody was saying that they they was watching somebody do some math here a couple of weeks ago and they was drawing squares and rectangles and triangles and all this stuff on a page to do to just to do a multiplication problem and I'm thinking okay they didn't teach us all that like that but brother Emery if he had a student in that class that was willing to put forth the effort to attempt to learn and had an eagerness trying that student's best to try to learn that, really, truly putting forth the effort, how much more do you think Brother Emery would be willing to help that student when it comes time for study and come time for test time? He would would, would probably help them. But if if that student sat over there like this, I ain't learning it. I ain't putting forth an effort to learn it. I don't need this stuff. I'll never use this. I don't care what grade you put on my paper, I'm not learning. Do you think that Brother Emery's going to give that student 100? Absolutely not. Why? Because an effort was not put forth. And look, that's the same way it is in our, in, in our lives. If we put forth an effort to serve God, we put forth the effort to worship God, We have our intent of our heart is, is I'm wanting to do a but I'm wanting to live better. I'm wanting to serve God. I'm trying. I'm putting forth the effort. How much more do you think God is willing to help that person along in their times of trouble? A whole lot more. What we've got to realize and understand is God's willing and God is able and God is eager to answer our prayer, but what are we doing to put forth the effort to serve and live for God? We also looked at, last Wednesday night, we looked at Jesus teaching us how to pray. Luke chapter 10 and 2 tells us that the harvest, Luke 10 and 2 says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Go pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. What we've got to realize and understand, there is a whole big world out there that needs to hear about Jesus. There's a whole big world out there that needs to hear about the plan of salvation. What God is trying to get us to understand is we need to go into the fields and we need to be the laborers in that harvest. Going into tonight. Several passages of scripture. I was, I was, as I was typing notes out and, and going through this, I was thinking, man, there's a whole lot of verses tonight. 
That'll be all right. I, I've, I've, I've watched and I've listened to several preachers and over the years. Some will give one verse, some will give a half of a verse, and they'll preach for four hours on that one verse or that half a verse. And they'll quote this and they'll quote this and they'll quote this and they'll quote all these other scriptures, but they only quote that one verse. And you know, if I had not, there's been several times that I have sat there and I've listened to these folks, and if I had not have known my Bible, I would not have known that they had not have misquoted other verses. They would not have, not intentional, I'm not saying intentional. I'm saying, and I'm not talking about, you know, me standing up here and saying that, that Moses built the ark and uh, Noah took Isaac up onto the mountaintop. I'm not talking about it like that. I'm talking about totally misquoted verses. I'm talking totally misrepresent verses. And I've, I've, I've seen seen and heard several that we've got to know the word of God in this last day we've got to know the word of God more today than we than we did yesterday and we got to know the word of God more tomorrow than we do today why because there there are there's wolves in sheep's clothing all around we cannot get ourselves tied up we cannot get ourselves tangled up in the fact that there are people trying to deceive the very children of God there are people trying to do that everywhere we look. So I have always made it a point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inundate you with verses. Why? Because I want you to go back and I want you to look at it yourself. So we need to understand that talking about prayer, if you'll notice throughout this entirety of this time, the last several weeks, I have not tried to teach. I've not tried to bring into the facts of what teaching how to pray or a formula of how to pray. None of those things. Why? Because we've been talking about how to pray. There is an aspect of how to pray. Jesus teaches us by precepts. Jesus is going to teach us by the precepts of how to pray. In other words, Jesus is going to teach us like in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, Jesus teaches the precepts and he tells them, he says, pray then like this. He tells them up front, he says, this is an example of how I want you to pray. Pray then like this. He gives them an idea. He gives them a thought process. He gives them a, he gives them a pattern of something. But also he looks at, we look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 38. Matthew 9 and 38 he says this. Pray unto the Lord of the harvest. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. He's telling them first of all he tells them a pattern of how to pray. And then Matthew 9 and 38, he tells them an, an aspects of how to pray. Pray earnestly. I don't want you to just pray haphazardly. I want you to earnestly pray. If I'm earnestly looking for food, I'm going to find it. How many, how many thinks I'm, I'm lying on that one? If I'm earnestly looking for food, I'm going to find that food somewhere. I'm earnestly looking for something I'm going to find. Dan is evil. Dan Kennedy is an evil person. He'll text me every so often his plate of food at his house. And I, I'll respond back. I'm headed that way. <laughs> but when Dan texts me that plate of food, I, it's almost like I can smell it. And we live miles apart. There's probably a 15-minute drive between my house and his house. But he, I, he can text me that picture of food, and I can smell it. Why? Because I, it just, I like food. I like food. And so what we've got to realize is I probably ate some of the foods that's on that plate, and I know what it smells like. I know what it tastes like. I am, I can smell it. And I'll tell him, I'm on my way. I don't have to arrive there to smell that food because I know what it smells like. How many times have we earnestly been after something and we already can taste it? Not literally, but figuratively. We can taste it. We can see it. We can smell it. We can understand about it. When we earnestly do something, it's more of I'm not just haphazardly about it. I'm actually, I'm after that thing because I want it to take place. 
if I'm earnestly after something, I'm not going to give up so easily. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to be after it. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to turn around. I'm not going to say, well, I don't guess I'm going to make it today. I'm earnestly going after something. But Luke chapter 21 and 36 tells us this. But stay awake at all times, praying that you have strength. In other words, he's telling us to pray always. Pray always. I was filling out some paperwork several years ago. And I was going through and I was getting my uh, ministerial credentialing. And there's a question on there. It says, how, how, how much time do you pray during a day? I wrote, always. That wasn't the answer they wanted. <laughs> yeah, they called me on that one. The Bible says pray always. But the, but the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 21 and 36, Jesus is telling us, so what has he told us? So what do we see these, these, these three verses? First of all, in Matthew 6 and 9, he's telling us an aspect of prayer. Uh, Matthew 9 and 38, he's telling us to earnestly pray. Uh, Luke 21 and 36, he's telling us to always pray. In other words, when, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to go to God in prayer. Before I lay my head down on my pillow at night, I'm going to God in prayer. Before I go through a trouble and a trial, I'm going to God in prayer. Before trouble comes to my doorstep, I'm going to God in prayer. Before a situation arises in my life, I'm going to God in prayer. Whenever I go to the hospital and somebody's fixing to have surgery, I go to God in prayer. Before something bad takes place, I'm going to God in prayer. David tells us in Psalm 63, he tells us this, early will I seek thee. He's not seeking after like hide and go seek. He's going to God in prayer. Jesus is telling us we need to pray. Matthew chapter 5 and 44. Matthew 5 and 44 tells us to pray for those enemies and those that persecute you. Boy, that sure would tan you hide, wouldn't it? Somebody's getting mad. Somebody's being ugly to you. I'm going to pray for you. And I promise you, if you tell them that, that makes them matter. Because they want you mad at them like they're mad at you. You got an enemy. Instead of throwing eggs at the car, why don't you pray for them? I know throwing eggs at the car might make you feel better, but... Praying for you will make everything better. Amen? But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them which despisefully use you. We need to pray for those that are trying to run us down. We need to pray for those that are trying to persecute, trying to be, throw evil at our ways. We need to pray for those people. Matthew 26 and 41 tells us this. Watch and pray. How many times do we just jump onto something, we just run straight into a situation, and we don't watch? I remember growing up, we was going to cross a road. Watch and look both ways. Does anybody remember that? In, I mean, I remember that all through high school. They'd, they'd, people would come to the schools and they'd teach us, watch and look both ways. So today we've got a lot of folks that are walking right out in the spiritual street and they ain't looking both ways and all of a sudden a gray, a gray, a greyhound bus just pow runs them over. We need to watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. We've been talking several weeks on Sundays. We've been talking about temptation is something that's going to happen in our lives. You're not getting away from temptation. I don't care how holy you think you are. Temptation is coming your way. Oh, Brother brother Lambert, temptation ain't coming my way. I'm holy. Yeah, okay. Come back and talk to me again in about a week and see if I don't have them. Temp everywhere you look, every, everything you come in contact with, temptation is coming your way. And I'm not talking about any particular type of temptation. We talk about temptation, everybody automatically thinks about something about the opposite sex. But temptation is more than that. 
There's a temptation about food. Amen. Temptation is a lot of things. And what we've got to understand and realize is temptation is everywhere we look. We need to pray that you don't enter into temptation. Watch and pray. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Take a look at um, Mark. Mark chapter 11, 24 and 25. Mark chapter 11, 24 and 25. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it. And it will be yours. I can't tell you how many times in 29 years of preaching and, and praying with people. Standing in an altar, wherever the case may be. And I and I've had I've had this happen several times. I've had I've had people come to an altar multiple times when I would preach a revival. They'd come to an altar multiple times throughout the week or either even pastoring churches or whatever the case was, and people would come for prayer and they'd say, You're they they'd tell me, Your faith ain't strong enough for me to receive my healing. What does my faith have to do with you receiving your healing? What is your faith looking like? Now, don't misunderstand me. I've got the faith that you can receive healing. I promise you that. I have witnessed arms that was, that was, that was crippled straightening out. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you ain't never seen something like that, that will freak you out. That will just absolutely mess your brain up. You're sitting there looking at, I'm, I'm looking at that young lady, her arm, and, and, it, and it's not an arm straight like this. It's an arm. It's not even formed all the way. And then all of a sudden that arm starts growing muscles and everything else. And it's straight. I'm going to tell you something. That just add, add a, that'll blow your mind. You're looking at that thing. I'm going to tell you something. Well, Brother Andy, you should have faith that it could. I got faith, but it'll still mess you up. It'll still, it'll still, it'll still drive your brain crazy. These things are not supposed to happen. It defies the laws of nature. But who defined the law of nature? God did, and God can tear the law of nature up. Y'all hear me? There's a law of nature called gravity that one day is going to let go. And the dead in Christ are going to rise up first. And we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up. And God can God created the laws of nature. God can tear them slap up. I'm going to tell you something. What you've got to realize and understand is we've got to have faith that things can happen. I've had people come to the altar and they'll tell me, they'll say, Brother Andy, I, I, your faith ain't strong enough for me to receive a healing. I've come up and got prayed for three times, and your faith ain't strong enough for me to receive my healing yet. Then what are you coming back to me pray for you for then? I mean, really stop and think about this for just a second. This is the third time that you've asked me to pray for the same thing, and you're telling me that my faith ain't strong enough. Why are you asking me to pray for you about it? The question is not about my faith. What is The question is, is about your faith. The question is, is about everybody, all of our faith together. If you don't think that faith does not make a difference, there was a gentleman one day that was that was paralyzed from his neck down. He had four friends that picked him up and put him on a cot. And these four friends took him to a house where Jesus was preaching at, where Jesus was inside the house, and they couldn't get their friend into the house so what did the friends do? The friends took him up to the rooftop. You, think about this. You are on a cot. You are paralyzed. And these guys are taking you up a ladder. You better have faith in these, in these jokers. They take you up a ladder. And, and they, when they get you on the rooftop, they start removing the roof so that they can lower you down. Your circle of friends does matter. The people you have around you does matter. You want positive things happen in your life? Get rid of some of the negativity around you. Why do you think whenever you get saved, why do you think whenever you get saved that there are people that don't want to be around you anymore? Because you're different. You've been changed. Something has happened. Something has taken place. 
That's a good thing. Your circle of friends does matter. Amen? Go on, on, go on to verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. If it was going to be dependent on me receiving my healing, or me receiving a healing, me receiving forgiveness, is, is a matter me receiving that is dependent on me forgiving somebody, you're forgiven. I don't care what you've done to me, you're forgiven. Brother Andy, do you even know what, that, what they've done to you? I don't know, and I really don't care. You're forgiven. <laughs> I don't, I'm not holding anything. I, why? Because I've already told I told y'all Sunday, I'm selfish when it comes to the things of God. I want a blessing. I want a healing. I want forgiveness. I want these things. So guess what? You're forgiven. What we've got to realize and understand is God taught by advice. He taught by rule. He taught by command. And he taught by instruction. Jesus didn't teach the, the, the aspects of do as I do as I say, not as I do. But Jesus taught by example. He gave advice and people followed it. He taught by rule. In other words, he was showing, he was showing the commands from the word of God. And he was saying, hey, this is the command and you need to follow it. He was teaching by commands. And he was teaching by instruction. He was teaching them how to live for God. But we've got to realize that Jesus not only taught by precepts, but he taught by example. He taught us by example. He didn't just say, he wasn't just sitting over on a chair somewhere high and lofty and say, do that. And then he goes back over and eating, eating caviar and drinking bubbles but what he did is he taught by example so what does that mean Jesus taught by example in John chapter 17 the entirety of John chapter 17 several times throughout that chapter he says I pray so Jesus is the son of God and he even stopped and had times of prayer He's not telling us, y'all got to pray. I don't. He says, I pray. Notice in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. Matthew 26 and 36, he tells his disciples, he says, sit here while I go over there and pray. Sit here while I go over there. I'm going to pray. Y'all sit over here. When he came back, they was asleep. He's over here praying and weeping and crying out to God. And they're over there snoring logs. What we've got to understand is we need to follow by example. Throughout the gospel, Jesus is three and a half years. He executed a model of prayer. Jesus taught us to pray privately. There's several things that I'm going to look at. I don't know how far we're going to get. But one of them is Jesus taught us to pray privately. You cannot do something in the open that you're not doing privately. You've got to be having, you've got to have a private prayer life in order to have a public prayer life. What you pray in private God will reward openly. What you're praying in private, God is going to do openly. Matthew 14 and 23, Jesus dismissed the crowds and he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. He was there alone. He went and got by himself to pray. You've got to have that private prayer time. You've got to have a time where it's just you and God. It ain't nobody else. It's just you and God. Shortly after we, we had moved here, 
I was down in the office one day at the house. Sister Carrie, Miss Katie, they'd gone grocery shopping or something. They wasn't at home. I was at home. I was at home by myself, and I walked downstairs and I went in the office to read and I, and and pray. That doorbell rung fourteen thousand five hundred and seventy six times while I was in there. <laughs> and a half. There you go. <laughs> it rung. Y'all, and I'm going to be real with you. That's the first time I think that I had been downstairs and heard the doorbell ring. The, 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 there's a box downstairs right outside the office and uh, at the house, and that's where the doorbell box is at. Scared me slap to death. I'd heard the doorbell ring upstairs. It wasn't that loud. Downstairs, it's loud. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, ding, dong. You want to you wanna get along with God? You want to have time with God? I'm going to tell you something. The doorbells will start ringing. Distractions are going to start happening. Interruptions are going to take place. Things are going to happen. Nobody's cell phone rings as much as mine. Nobody's cell phone rings as much as mine does. Nobody gets, I, I, I would venture probably to, I would probably compare with you. A couple in this church, they have access to my online calendar, and one up, a couple of them have come to me sometimes, and they've said, Lord have mercy. All this stuff that you do during the week, I said, I didn't put all of it on there either. But you still got to have that time alone with God to pray. And when you go to that time in prayer, there's that time to, I, I love my phone because when I turn it upside down like that, when I turn it upside down and it lays like that, it's on do not disturb. It don't vibrate. It don't ring. It don't make a noise. It don't do anything. I accidentally run across that feature. I love it now. In, in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. When Jesus went to this place, when he went to this place, he knew what was fixing to take place. He knew what was fixing to happen. He knew what was right around the corner, and he went and prayed anyway. He didn't get on the greyhound to go try to get away from it. He knew what was fixing to happen. He knew the bad things that was fixing to come around the corner. And he went anyway and went to prayer. Went in prayer. Mark chapter 1 and 35. Early in the morning, it was still dark. He went to a desolate place and there he prayed. I don't care if you want to pray first thing in the morning or you pray late, pray late at night. I don't care if you pray during, uh, during your lunch hour. I don't care when it is, but I'm going to tell you something. Jesus had a specific time that he went and he prayed, and I'm going to tell you, you need to have that time. People have told me, you, can't, you don't need to schedule time to pray with God. Why not? How many schedules doctor's appointments? I schedule, I schedule vet visits for the dog. If I'm going to schedule a vet visit for the dog, then I can schedule my time with prayer. Does that mean that that's the only time I'm going to pray? No. But that is my time that I get along with God, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to pray. Now, God also schedules his time with me, too. It's right now, apparently, it's between 1.30 and 3.30 in the morning. Talk with God anytime, y'all. Tell him I like sleep. Kidding you not. There ain't nothing wrong with comedy, okay? Ain't nothing wrong with laughter. But for some reason, between 1.30 and 3.30 in the morning, I am awake. I'm reading. I'm praying. But I'm awake. And then about 3.30, 4 o'clock, I'm going back to sleep. And then I'll get back up whenever... Whenever I get back up, 
But Jesus had an intentional time that he got along with God in prayer. There's nothing wrong with having an intentional time with God. Amen? We need to have that. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. He withdrew to desolate places and prayed. He withdrew to desolate places and prayed. What does that mean? He went somewhere where it wasn't 50 million people there. There's nobody else there. He goes there where it can be quiet. There's nobody there. There's nobody interrupting. I love it whenever people, I, I hear people, they'll say, I, I sure do wish I had my time in prayer. I wish I could have time in prayer. And I sort of, I start getting them to tell me about it. Tell me a little bit about it. And it might be a young mom and, and instead of, now, my daughter had colic. I know that was 17 years ago, but I remember it like yesterday. That was the worst six months of our life. She cried no matter what, except when she laid on daddy's chest. That's when she'd lay down and she'd go, she'd go sleep right there. I can't sleep on my back. I didn't sleep for six months, it don't feel like. But I, I hear moms and I hear dads and they'll talk about how that they spend time in prayer and they'll spend it and they'll tell me that and, and I come to find out that they're spending that time of prayer is when the baby is crying. Well, everybody's praying when the baby's crying. God, would you please get this baby to quit crying? Everybody's praying then. That's not that intentional time of prayer. Oh, you don't understand. That's intentionally praying. I understand you're intentionally praying for the baby to quit crying, but that's not the intentional time of prayer that God's talking about. He said he withdrew to desolate places. In other words, it wasn't a baby crying. It wasn't when other things are going on. It wasn't when things are happening around he went somewhere that nothing else was going on, and he spent time in prayer. Luke 6 and 12. I have no money. I, I don't even know where I stopped on these verses, so I, if, I, if I go past where you're at, oh well. Luke 6 and 12. In these days he went out to the mountain and prayed, and all night he continued in prayer to God. It's hard enough to get people to pray for 30 seconds, much less all night. Could you imagine somebody praying all night? We can't get people, some people to pray for 30 seconds. Jesus went to the mountain. He went alone. He went somewhere where he could pray and nobody else was around and he prayed all night long. Luke 9 and 18. I'll stop right here. Luke 9 and 18. Now it happened that he was praying alone. The disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Even in front of his disciples, he would spend time in prayer. There's times that when we're alone, we need to privately pray. There's times that when we're away from the crowd, we're in that desolate place, we're on the mountaintop, we're away from everybody, and we spend that time in prayer. But Jesus also, even in the midst with his disciples around, he spent that time in prayer. This is just the first tip of the iceberg about talking about prayer, how to pray. We're talking about Jesus being the example of us having a prayer life. Jesus went alone to pray. But he also, there were times he took his disciples, his trusted confidants, those that was close to him, he took them into that place in that time of prayer. Jesus taught us how to pray. Jesus gave us the example of how to pray. It's up to us to continue that process of learning how to pray. Amen. Live feed, thank you so much for being with us. Remember, if you have any prayer requests, text the keyword prayer to 205-642-8744.
We want to partner together with prayer. Several connected to the church that are sick, continue to be praying one for another. May the good Lord bless you as our prayer life be. Thank you so much for being with us. Sunday school, Sunday morning at 945, worship at 11. May God bless you.